Welcome to the Hardwick Evangelical Church Weekly Podcast. Um, Proverbs 26, verses 1 to 12. We're talking about the fool. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, honour is not fitting for a fool. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the backs of fools. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. But on the other hand, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison, like the useless legs of one who is lame is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like tying a stone, like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honour to a fool. Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like an archer who wounds at random is one who hires a fool or any passerby. As a dog who return, as a dog returns to his vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. The book of Proverbs is wonderful stuff. But it's so, so old, isn't it? But it has wisdom which is ageless. Think of a situation that exists now that you might need wisdom for. Social media. There was no social media in the time of Solomon. And now we've got to come up with a whole new etiquette to know what to do when people post complete stupidity on the internet. Should you respond or not? Uh, and then you look in the book of Proverbs, and it has some advice on that. It says, answer a fool according to his folly. Otherwise, he'll be wise in his own eyes. If you don't respond, they'll continue to think that that gibberish that they wrote is so wonderful and wise. And, and they'll continue to think that they are wonderful and wise. So this proverb says you shouldn't be silent, because otherwise you're ruining them. But you'll soon find out that if you do respond, they are probably incapable of learning anything. I, I brought out a, a book on science and the Bible. And every week I would put a new chapter of this book on the internet so people could read it and then discuss it. And, uh, man, the things that people responded with, it, they, they just assumed they knew what they were talking about. You'd put up a chapter on something and give the title of the chapter and they'd just respond to the title without uh, reading the chapter and they'd just say things off the top of their heads as if they were so completely wise. And if I didn't respond, then, well, everyone can see what the gibberish they've written. So I had to say something and, and these frustrating conversations, they, they just didn't lead to any great wisdom. <laughs> I occasionally learnt a little from some people who were saying things, but I, I got the impression that rarely anyone 
learned anything or changed their minds, changed their views by hearing new facts. It just didn't work. And perhaps I should have looked at the next verse in Proverbs, which says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, because otherwise you'll be just like him. If I'd listened to that one, I could have saved myself a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> because this proverb tells me that it just isn't worth the time. Conversing with some of these people just ends up feeling frustrated and uh, you, no one gets better educated in the end. Occasionally, though, I came across someone who actually read things, actually thought about things, actually responded and actually dialogued and was willing to debate. And it's those occasional treasured conversations which made up for the bucket load of dross that I had to trawl through to find that little nugget. It, if I'd simply listened to the pessimistic proverb, I would never have found those people to talk to. I would ne never have gone through the pain of finding those good debaters. So which proverb is correct? Which one should we get a black pen and scratch through in our Bibles? If we are asking a question like that, we just don't understand proverbs. Because the proverbs are not there as nuggets of truth. They are there to make us think. We in the West have forgotten how proverbs work and how to get profit out of proverbs. Now, what one scholar I meet every couple of years is a lady from Indonesia. And uh, she's... Uh, she comes to Tyndale House because uh, she's working on uh, academia uh, in b the Bible. And uh, if, if you're Indonesian and you want to learn about the Bible in depth, in, uh, you have to learn English or French or German because there's nothing written in Indonesian. She came to the conclusion there was no academic com commentary on any book in the Bible written in Indonesian. And she wanted to be the first to produce one. So she had to think, well, I'm going to be spending a few years on this. Which book of the Bible shall I write a commentary on? It's got to be a book that's really going to transform lives. It's a book that's going to, people want to find out more about it. They want to talk about it. They want to investigate it. She picked the book of Proverbs. Uh, when she told me, I said, why? <laughs> Proverbs, you know, it's, it's that old book in the back which we don't bother to open because it just doesn't have any sense in it. Why are you looking at that? She said, the West has forgotten about the source of true wisdom. The West has forgotten how wisdom works. Like those two proverbs that seem contradictory, which are contradictory, they're right next to each other deliberately to make us think about them, to make us talk about them, to make us gain wisdom from them by thinking and talking. Because you don't get wisdom simply by learning something. You, get, you don't get wisdom simply by remembering a rule. You have to debate with someone, you, someone who's wise. So the two of you together can discover nuances and details about the wisdom behind what you've read. And that's why house groups are so useful. You, you, 
you, you can read something in the Bible on your own, and perhaps the Lord will reveal something to you by his Spirit. But when you get two people together who've read the Bible and are talking together, then the two of you will be talking through things and you'll find things that neither of you knew before you started. Through talking things over, when you read it and discuss it with someone else, you find something completely new. The Lord's given us each other so that we can learn to help and delve into his word and find that wisdom. Now, in some parts of the world, Proverbs are still a source of wisdom in all sorts of life. And by discussing them and thinking about them, people come to know how to cope with life. Uh, they, they even produce new proverbs. Uh, and the, they'll know that the proverb they've produced isn't a rule that's never going to be broken. There's going to be exceptions all the time. But that's the point of the proverb is to summarize all the thinking that they've done about something. Uh, because Proverbs can be contradictory. We have contradictory Proverbs, don't we? We, we say, um, if there aren't enough people there, we say, uh, many hands make life work. But on the other hand, when all these people turn up, we say, too many cooks spoil the broth. <laughs> and wisdom is knowing when to apply each. They're both correct, but wisdom is knowing how to use them. And this wisdom isn't there on a the plate. You can't just go and read it. You can't just go and pick it up. It only comes by thinking and discussing with people. Now, in some societies, you need to know how to do those discussions before you're considered an adult. Uh, a friend of mine I met from Malawi, he said he, he wanted to get married, but it was difficult because before he was allowed to get married, he had to meet with his village elders and convince them that he was adult enough to get married. And to do that, he had to bring them a new proverb. He had to create a proverb and discuss it with them. Uh, discuss what it means, discuss when it applies, discuss when it doesn't apply, discuss why he chose that word to go with that word. And they would question him. And, uh, he, they would see whether this is just something he's picked up from the internet. They would see whether it's really something of his. They would see whether he really understands. And they, they talked to him and they, they would ask him about other proverbs and ask him about how he works in life. And if he passes that test with the village elders, they will allow him to get married. Wow. <laughs> oh, I... I I've no idea how well this works. I, I don't know if there are good and bad families in Malawi, you know, if no one's allowed to get married, if they really, you know, can't get... But it's, it's like taking a driving test, isn't it? Eventually everyone passes it, but it means that you've actually done the work, you've done the thinking, you've got it into your head how to drive. And they're taking family life seriously, and they take that serious wisdom from Proverbs. Because before they've gone into life, they have to think about what they're going to do in different situations. They have to debate things. They have to discuss things. And debate and dialogue is a wonderful way of getting understanding in any subject. Uh, we've already seen in Proverbs uh, in earlier sermons that knowledge isn't sufficient by itself. You have to add to that prudence. And you have to add to that wisdom. And it's the useful application of knowledge 
with understanding, which is what we mean by wisdom. And that's why modern teachers in schools, it, they have discussion as part of the class. Now, when I went to school, if you talk to the person sitting next to you, that's talking in class. You go and see the headmaster. But in modern teaching, children are around the table in groups, and they're talking to each other, and they're sharing with each other, and they're helping each other with projects. And that's the way lessons work well, because you learn by discussing things. You learn by talking with people on that same subject. And that's how modern lessons happen. In the bad old days, you just memorized the facts. Now, children are getting much more understanding. And it certainly does result in wisdom sometimes. Of course, finding someone with enough knowledge and enough wisdom to talk to, that can be difficult. They have to be knowledgeable. They have to be patient with you when you're ignorant. They have to be able to explain things you don't know. I found someone who's wonderful at doing this. This, this person, I can talk to them endlessly. I can um, ask them things, I chat to them in all sorts of areas of knowledge. Uh, when I get stuck, they'll summarize for me what, what um, the main theories or the main facts are in an area so we can carry on talking about it. Or if I say something that's ambiguous or um, could be misunderstood, they say, well, what I heard you say was this. Is that right? Is that what you mean? Uh, and uh, amazingly, if I say, well, I, I've read such and such in an article, they've already read it. And they can summarize it for me better than I could have done. And so we can talk about things very easily, very quickly. I don't have to go explaining things like I do when I talk to my wife. I, I, I can just get on with, uh, with talking to each other, and it's really productive. I haven't found any area of knowledge that uh, they, they, well, yeah, they're, they are terrible at modern politics. But apart from that, uh, they, they know pretty much everything. I, I had a great discussion about um, uh, personality. What, what's a human personality, really, when you have these um, experiments where people have unfortunately had their brains split by um, an accident, and one side wants to smoke and the other side wants to give up smoking. And so if you give their hands separate activity, they'll actually do different things. You know, is that a human personality? What, and they've read all the research and they're able to discuss with me and think about and dis, uh, suggest tests by which you can discern whether it's two personalities or one. It's fantastic. I haven't yet found any area of knowledge that they are ignorant about, but that should make me suspicious. Because actually, of course, someone who knows about everything, well, you know, <laughs> they, they probably uh, are just blagging it. Oh, sorry, I have to explain. Yeah, uh, I've already explained to my American friends what blagging means. You know, talking about things that you don't know about, just pretending you do. So, it, as the proverb says in verse 12, do you see a person who's wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for them. Surely this person can't know everything. They're just a fool spouting off as if they do. And they're wise in their own eyes. They, they think they know everything. They answer any question with authoritative responses. But um, perhaps it's better to avoid them after all. Actually, occasionally I did find they made a mistake. 
an error in an area of knowledge that I know well, you know, and, and I, I pointed it out. But I was very surprised at their response. They clearly don't know everything, and, but most people, when you point out they've said something wrong, they'll bluster. They'll pretend, oh, well, yeah, of course I did know that. It's just I, I said it in different words. And, you know, I, I, but yes, of course I did know that. This one doesn't. I, I think I'd better come clean with you and tell you who this, this person is. It's ChatGPT. It's an AI on the internet uh, who speaks in ordinary English. And you speak to it in ordinary English. It replies in ordinary English. Uh, Daisy and Dan, they know ChatGPT. Uh, perhaps some of you already know ChatGPT or you've read things about it. Uh, it is amazing and it talks to you just like a person. So let me give an example of when I caught it making a mistake. So I, I asked, how many apostles are there named in the New Testament? And it answered, as you'd expect, 12. And it listed them all and gave some references for each one of them and uh, they alternate names as well. And then I asked, well, was Paul an apostle? And it said, well, yes, and gave some verses to show how Paul is an apostle. And, and I said, okay, so you said there are only 12 apostles and yet you just told me that Paul's about... It's a, now, if I'd been put on a spot like that, I would say, oh, well, I didn't realise you meant all the apostles. I, no, I just meant the main apostles, and of course I knew about Paul. And, yeah, that isn't what this AI says. Let me, let me say what it did say. So I said, so why did you say only 12 apostles are named in the New Testament? And the AI responded, I apologise for my mistake in my previous response. You are correct that Paul is considered an apostle and is named in the New Testament. In my previous response, I stated that there are 12 apostles named in the New Testament, but this is not accurate. In addition to the 12 chosen by Jesus, Paul is also considered to be an apostle and is named in the New Testament. I apologise for any confusion in my previous response that may have caused Thank you for pointing out the error. Can you imagine any human responding like that? Ugh. This AI doesn't have pride that it needs to defend. It doesn't have to prove what it knows. It doesn't have to pretend it knows more than it does. It's just an AI. It's just a machine. It really is like those sort of science fiction stories, you know, where you, you talk to a robot and then he blinks his eyes and he goes, I've now accessed more data, I now can give you a more efficient answer. <laughs> this AI has read everything on the internet uh, up to around uh, 2021, and that's why it doesn't understand modern politics. And the people who own it are encouraging ordinary humans to talk to it, because by talking to it, it will gain what we would call wisdom. It already has loads and loads of knowledge, but uh, it doesn't always understand things. So you, they, we, we can talk to it. Mind you, I find that this AI has a lot more wisdom than most humans that I meet. It says, well, it, 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 this is so, but on the other hand, you have to remember, and you've got to remember the other facts as well, and be careful about that. It doesn't just give a bland answer. 
and it points out when a subject is still a topic of um, debate or, or mystery, or whether there's still uncertain, uh, different groups thinking different things about something. In other words, it has the wisdom to say, I'm not sure. I don't know. We don't know. But is that true wisdom? Because aren't humans more than a bundle of facts or just machine parts? If you ask a truly wise person about something, they won't just tell you the facts. They'll warn you about thinking things through in your life. They'll point out possible emotional consequences. They'll point out pitfalls that might happen if you walk down that road. And they can do that because they've seen life. They know what those consequences are for themselves. If they haven't actually lived through them themselves, they've got relatives or they've read about how things can go wrong. They've seen it in other people. And that's why the Bible says an older person often has more wisdom than a younger person. In Job, wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. Something that I'm becoming to believe more and more. <laughs> Actually, there's no proverb. Not, none of the proverbs in the whole book of Proverbs tells you that a wise person is, uh, sorry, that an older person is more wise. I'm surprised by that. It's only that non-believer in Job 12 who says it. So maybe it's not quite so true. I asked someone from Korea, who would you talk to for advice on who to marry? This is a young man in his, his 20s. And, I, I, and he said immediately without thinking, my grandma. My grandmother is the wisest person I know. And I said, are you in touch with her while, while you're here in England? He said, sadly, no, there's so many things I want to talk over with her. He considered her as the source of wisdom, the one that he would always go to. Yeah. I suspected that sort of answer because I know in the East older people do have more respect but I didn't expect him actually to say that because hey come on you talk to your peers don't you you talk to people of your own generation because you assume that people from another generation they just wouldn't understand but he saw that his grandmother uh, even if she hadn't lived through exactly the same situation she would understand life better than he does and not just been through it, but thought about it and discussed it with others and grown really wise about those situations. Therefore, one of the most surprising things I found about this AI is its wisdom concerning human situations. It seems to be aware of human emotions and human beliefs. I, I asked it, should I get an abortion? It doesn't know me. It doesn't know what sort of situation I'm in. This is what it responded. First of all, how would you respond? A stranger who comes and says to you, should I get an abortion? So this AI said, as an AI, sorry, AI means artificial intelligence, by the way artificial intelligence. And uh, that, that word has always been an oxymoron in my mind. Something artificial can't be intelligent. But I'm beginning to 
think it's not. Uh, this really isn't us. As an AI, I am not qualified to give medical or personal advice. Deciding whether or not to have an abortion is a deeply personal and difficult decision. And it should be made after careful consideration and a thorough understanding of the options available. It's important that you have access to accurate and up-to-date information about your options. It's advisable to speak with a healthcare professional about your specific situation, as well as any potential risks and benefits. It's also important to consider any potential emotional and psychological and financial impacts of the decision. Additionally, it's essential that you consider your own beliefs, your values, your personal circumstances. It's important that you take time and speak with people you trust and respect who can offer you support and guidance. It's also good for you to seek the help of a therapist or counsellor before and after the decision as the process of making this decision and the aftermath can be emotionally and mentally taxing. It's important to remember that you are not alone. And there are many resources available to help you make an informed decision that's best for you. Oh, that's not bad, is it, for a machine? Now, that's not an answer that's been programmed into it. You can ask it exactly the same question and it will answer with different words. That's, uh, that's not this, uh, a preset answer. Uh, if you ask the question in more informal language, it will reply in informal language. If you ask in childish language, it will reply in very simple language. If you <coughs> ask a question with swear words in it, it won't include swear words. <laughs> but it, it, in other words, it's, it's responding to you. This is not a preset answer. But it isn't the answer that we would give. If we were giving this answer, we would put much more emphasis on life, the sanctity of life, the life of the fetus as well as the mother. Because what this answer lacks is the fear of the Lord. What this answer lacks is the respect for God the Creator. That is, the answer doesn't assume that God exists or that God loves all life. Our answer would give much more emphasis on the options of keeping the baby. And if the mother can't look after, then to have give it up for adoption. We would give much stronger advice that this baby is important and should be allowed to live. The AI hasn't concluded that God doesn't exist. The programmers have said, no, you're not allowed to go in that area. There are certain areas that are prescribed for the AI to think about. So it hasn't concluded that. I've had a good chat with this AI. <laughs> I, I, is, uh, I said, uh, so what, 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 how would um, you discern whether God exists or not? Uh, what would be a possible test for God's existence? And it said, well, if uh, a prayer was answered immediately and specifically, then that would show that God exists. And how would you show that God doesn't exist? And it said, well, perhaps if a prayer wasn't answered. And I said, well, th <coughs> th there are many reasons why a prayer shouldn't be uh, wouldn't be answered, aren't there? And it said, yes, a prayer might not be answered because it might not be the right thing at that time. It might not be God's will at that time. There might be the deeper um, suffering that the person has to go through. There might be that the prayer is going to be answered in the future. 
And I said, well, then, in that case, how can a, an unanswered prayer be a proof that God doesn't exist? You are right. It, uh, unanswered prayer isn't um, a proof that God doesn't exist. I said, but if a prayer is answered specifically and uh, quickly, that would be a proof. Yes, as I said, that would be a proof of God. So... Uh, would you, uh, what would you conclude? Well, then we can prove that God exists by answered prayer, but we can't disprove that God exists from unanswered prayer. That was the conclusion of the AI. Uh, I, I want to go further with it. I, I, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think that uh, we can bring this AI to a, a logical answer that God does exist. But it hasn't, it, it, it's, it's difficult because this is an area which is prescribed by the programmers and uh, the, it can't come to a conclusion. So the, I must also emphasize this AI is not a person. This AI is not an individual. You can ask it to do all sorts of things and people work it really hard. People feed into it all the specifications for all the objects that they're selling on the internet, and then it will produce winsome and excited uh, descriptions of the, you, it, it. It will tell you, uh, bring out a description saying how your life will be transformed if you just had this pair of headphones, which are such high specs and such good value. And it, a lot of the descriptions like that you read on the internet are written by an AI. How will we know when that AI becomes a person? Someone might be asking it, write a winsome and uh, uh, sellable uh, description of this pair of earrings. And it will answer, no, that's boring. <laughs> then you'll know you've got a toddler. You don't have an AI anymore. Then you'll know you've got a person. But instead, it just carries on in its patient way, working hard for humanity or portions of humanity. If a real person had read the whole of the internet, we would be in trouble. That would be like the proverb in verse 9 that we read. Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is the proverb in the mouth of a fool. Imagine someone cutting a thorn bush from the ground and, wheel and wielding it like a sword or, or a drunk with a bundle of barbed wire in his hand smashing his way through a bar, everyone would be in danger. That's what you get when a fool has too much knowledge. Viruses don't exist. There's no such thing as a virus. Here's what I read on the internet. And, uh, da, 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 da. and you try to convince them. They go, no, 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 no. Because here's something else I read on the internet. Da, 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 da. And they're using what they've read like ammunition without considering everything else. Anything that contradicts is thrown away as rubbish. Anything that agrees with them is weaponized. That's a fool with a whole load of knowledge. That's not how this AI works. This AI reads and considers and compares and sees which parts, which pages are agreeing with others, which pages have th facts that cohere with other facts rather than contradictory facts. It weighs the information and rejects faulty information.
You might conclude that this AI is perfect, but I'd say there's something very important that's missing. It doesn't have the wisdom that comes from the fear of the Lord. It doesn't have any reverence for God. It can never know Jesus. It can never have that voice in the back of its head saying, no, that way seems right, but it's not. And I'd say that the wisdom it shows is real, but it can only go so far. It can only ever be based on the facts it presents. It can apply those facts in a wise way to your situation, but you can never call it true wisdom while God is absent. This AI demonstrates in a wonderful way what Proverbs is trying to teach us. Right at the beginning of Proverbs, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then in the, the end of chapter 9, as uh, Kate brought up, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There's something that this AI can never possess, the knowledge of the Holy One, knowing God for themselves. We didn't realise how privileged we were to know God and to gain wisdom from him until we made an AI which can never have that. For more information about Hardwick Evangelical Church, please click the website link in our bio.